Hi, I'm Michael Woods. I'm the chief scientist at the Asian Turfgrass Center. This is the ATC Double Cut, where I take a second look, thus a double cut, at some of the things that I've written about or discussed on the ATC website, on my blog at asianturfgrass.com. Today, in this episode, I have a special guest joining from Japan. Welcome to the ATC Double Cut, Mr. Andrew McDaniel. Hello, Micah. Good to see How, you. It is it is a pleasure to see you and to talk with you today, Andrew. Thank you for joining me. Today, the post that I want to talk about is one that you might have read before. I mm. think it even mentions your name. I'm mm. going to bring that up and start. Uh, I'll screen share this. Then I'm going to put a direct link to this post in the description so that anybody who's interested can click through and read that, can have a look at that post. Let me see. Let me get this screen there. I think I think that's the way I want to do it. Um, so this post, which I'll put a direct link to in the description, is how to spend less than $5,000 on tournament green fertilizer. And the subtitle is, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money to get great greens. Andrew, have you read this post? Do you remember it? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I have read it. It it has been a while. And in fact, I've changed my blog. You'll see that on my blog, right at the top, I've got the title and then the tags, which you can click through to read more posts about things. This post is tagged with the topics of Japan, tournament, zoysia, and fertilizer. So if you click any of those, it will go through to a list of posts tagged with those. And then what I've changed is I've, I've changed from the post date to the last updated date so that you can see when the post was last updated. Because what happens is I sometimes have to update the posts with new photos or new charts or new links, especially as old links break. And I have to update the post with links to uh, to keep, what is that called? Internet rot or link rot um, as old links, as websites come down and that sort of thing. Oh. So, uh, so anyway, this says last updated on April 18th, 2021. But Andrew, I had to check. I wrote this during the KBC Augusta tournament in, you want to guess a year? 2015, maybe? Add two years to that. It was 2017. Oh, August okay. August of 2017. That's when I wrote it. And it's interesting because I don't go... I've written so many posts on the blog, I don't go back and read them, reread them constantly. And I just read this today in advance of us recording this episode. And I think it, uh, for being five years old it stands up pretty well. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that we have a chance to talk about this. Mm. Um, and the very first line, um, I'll, I'll quote uh, the very first sentence in the post, quote, I don't often write about this because I assume everyone knows it. But I've read a few things recently about amazing sums of money being saved by changing the way of fertilizing. I'll all while getting the same or better turf conditions, end quote. And then I put some links to 
posts where people are saving a ridiculous or amazing amount of money on fertilizer. Mm. And you just have to wonder, well, it goes back to that first sentence. I, the reason why I don't often write about this, about fertilizer costs, is because I assume everyone knows it. But apparently they don't. And that's what prompted me to write this post because I, I think what happened, Andrew, in 2017 is I'd recently heard that a bunch of people were saving so much money and they were excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I think I was chatting with you and I was like, man, yeah. I can't believe, like, why are they, how did they not know this already? And, and I'm like, let me, let me just ask you how much money you're spending. Yeah. And you looked it up and worked through all the purchase orders and invoices and so on for the year. And then, um, then I did a blog about it. It's, yeah. Does that ring a bell? I, I remember it very clearly. <clears throat> and would you, I mean, I guess, you know, it's funny having you as a guest, Andrew, because we, we both have talked about these things so much mm-hmm. and, um, you know, discuss them with each other so much that, uh, I think when, when we have a conversation, it's just like, uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not quite sure that it, I mean, for me and you having a talk about it, that's very normal, but I'm not right. quite sure for people listening to this, if, if it's just me and you going, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> if, if that's <laughs> making sense to people. So I think that's funny. It's, uh, it's going to be funny to listen to this, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I mean, what you've, I guess you've known this for most of your career. I've known this for most of my career. I remember when I learned about, about how to apply products like urea and ammonium sulfate uh-huh. and potassium nitrate and potassium sulfate and monoammonium phosphate and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was when I was 22 years old and I was a golf course superintendent in Shanghai mm-hmm. and Ed Etchells was consulting at Shanghai links and I had wanted to buy a whole bunch of imported fertilizers uh, that that were relatively expensive um, because they were specially formulated for turf. And he told me, well, you could just use urea, you could just use potassium nitrate, you could just use this, you could just use that. Uh And I mean, I guess I kind of knew how to do it from melting these products down and spraying on greens, but it hadn't really occurred to me that you could do actually do that for the entire golf course. Then uh-huh. he, he prompted me, he's like, stop complaining that you don't have enough money to buy these imported products um, and just go out and get the raw material fertilizers and just apply it. And then I did that. And I guess at that time, I, I did have a revelation that I was also getting that kind of cost, cost savings. But I, I remember that pretty clearly. Um, but now it's, it's been so many years ago that I just feel like I know it. I learned it very early in my career and I just kind of assumed that everybody does. And I mean, do you, do you have a story like that where, <clears throat> where you uh, had a revelation that this was possible or like, I don't know, but why, why do I assume everyone knows it? And, but what's your story about it? Yeah. I, I, I kind of assume everybody knows it like you do. I, it started out with me. I guess when I was interning, we were doing that. So it just kind of, I just thought it was the way it was supposed to be done. And then you see all these liquid fertilizers. And I'm, I'm thinking, 
I always thought, oh, well, that's that's cool. It's already melted down for me. Why don't I just purchase that and put it in the tank? And then you start running numbers. I'm thinking, wait a second. I think I'll just stick with this urea and ammonium sulfate and melt that down myself and spray it. But um, yeah, kind of like you, I've just I've done it from pretty much day one, so I just it's kind of normal to me. Yeah, I and it's been normal for me for so long um, that. Yeah, I guess now that you bring it up, the cost of some of those other products, when I look at pre-mixed liquid fertilizers, I'm a little bit surprised at how expensive they are. And I'm just like, gosh, yeah. what What are you getting for that? That, Like if I've got 100% control of my rate and of exactly what's going out, mm-hmm. I love that with me choosing what I'm going to apply. To actually go out and assume that or, or to have to search pretty hard to find something that matches exactly what I want, which may not yeah. even be exactly what I want, and then to have to pay a huge multiple to to get it. I, mm-hmm. It's never really made so much sense to me. I'm sure they work, but yeah, it's just um, it's kind of hard to justify it. And you can just mm. go to yeah, the next store and get urea. Yeah, <laughs> so th- I, we're going to work through this post and uh, okay. show how how much it actually costs because the the title of the post is how to spend less than $5,000 on tournament cream fertilizer. I mean that on a annual basis. And mm-hmm. in the next paragraph, I said, uh, I'll quote again, I'm glad to read about these kind of success stories, but that they even exist suggests to me that not everyone realizes how much it needs to cost to produce high quality turf. There are a lot of ways to produce high-quality turf. Some cost more than others. And then, then end quote. And then I wrote about, I was at Kea in Fukuoka. That's where Andrew is the golf course superintendent and assistant general manager. I was there for the KBC Augusta Golf Tournament. And I put a picture of how the greens look that week, which is quite healthy, a dense sword of a very fine-bladed, Zoysia metrella or Kori in Japan. Mm-hmm. And then I said, and I, I wrote here that it, it really isn't so much about money, which is why I, I don't write about it so much because I'm not so much trying to help people spend the least amount of money possible. I'm more focused on how do we have the good grass conditions, the best grass conditions possible. Mm-hmm. And like you can decide how much money you want to spend, but I'll, I'll go ahead and read the next paragraph too. Quote, Kea Golf Club is a relatively high-budget course. The average green fee is more than $200, and the course does about 45,000 rounds per year. You can calculate the revenue from that. The choice of fertilizers here is about getting the desired results. The goal is not to save money. Even so, the cost for fertilizer on these greens from January 2017 until today, and that was about August 23rd of 2017. Uh The cost for fertilizer on these greens year to date in 2017 has been $3,889. The season isn't over yet, but with just a few months remaining and not much fertilizer yet to apply, the total cost for the year will be less than $5,000. Does that 
That's right, because in the next paragraph, <clears throat> I said, you're the core superintendent. You gave me the fertilizer costs, and then yep. I... And, and we had the rates, too. So yep. we went through that. Year to date, at that point, you'd applied 8.9 grams of nitrogen per, th- per square meter, 1.8 mm-hmm. grams of P2O5, 7.3 grams of K2O, and you'd applied micronutrients and kelp. And it turns out this year you spent, uh, you were way, actually, you spent a lot more that year than you typically would. Yeah, I was going to say that that's, that's more than I normally spend, it looks like, yeah. Because... Because as I read down, you'd apply, that was the year you put the uh, slow release granular out. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that was a good decision, I think, because the greens um, had been a little bit, there were a few spots that were a little bit thin, and we thought that giving it a bit of a boost with a slow release end product um, would, would stimulate some growth, and it did. And, uh-huh. and those areas filled in nice. But you, you had that single application where you put out a th- more than one-third of the annual N and about half of the year-to-date potassium and all of the <clears throat> phosphorus. Uh, yeah. That was... that, and that cost, was probably over $1,000 right there. And the cost for that... It says the cost for that application was $982. Uh-huh. Sounds right. Yep. So... <clears throat> So that was a thousand dollars, and then here's where it gets really. Uh, re- let me go back and see what the total was. The total was uh, three thousand eight hundred and eighty nine dollars. So you're about mm-hmm. thirty nine hundred, um, and and the cost for that one application was nine eighty two. That's about a thousand, and then. Everything else was applied as a liquid. The re- and then here's where it gets really interesting. So the, the remaining nitrogen cost $131 and was from a urea and ammonium sulfate. The remaining potassium cost $176 and was from potassium sulfate. So you're at $982 for that granular. And then everything else you applied in terms of N and K the N was 131 and the K was 176. So you spent uh, $307, $307 year to date on nitrogen and <clears throat> potassium, mm-hmm. um, excluding that granular app, which is something that's uh, rare. That was, I think that was the second granular app you made in nine years. Yep, yeah. If Correct. I remember right. To, to the potting greens. So then, um, then there were three different liquid products you used that year. Three liquid products with micronutrients and kelp have also been used. The total cost for those products was $2,600. So that brings up to um, the total cost. So your N and K cost, excluding that granular, was $307. And then you spent twenty six hundred on micronutrients and kelp, and you spend about a thousand dollars on that granular, and that brings mm-hmm. the total cost to three thousand eight hundred eighty nine dollars. And to me, that's like uh, that's reasonable. That's fine. And you could have done it for a hell of a lot cheaper if you wanted to. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You sometimes tell me that I could probably do it cheaper. Well. Or, or, do I mean, I really need, or do I really you, need to spray that product? Well, well 
I mean, we're talking about that now because mm-hmm. um, we just did some soil testing recently on these greens. So now we're uh, we're five years down the road from that, and you've been applying this complete micronutrient fertilizer. And you, if I understand right, your program last year was you did you cut the kelp out? Did you just do yeah. micronutrient? I haven't sprayed kelp for maybe three years now. Okay. So you, you got the kelp, which I probably would have encouraged that, but you were telling me you didn't really see a response from it, if I remember right. So you're just mm-hmm. like, just stick with the micros. I was thinking the micronutrients were fine, but we're look. I was looking at the soil test recently. Your boron was average or above average. Your copper, I, we're talking about soil levels now. Your copper... Mm-hmm compared to other putting greens it's at average or above average your zinc is actually your copper and your zinc are both considerably above average meanwhile your iron has been in the soil has been decreasing a bit and your manganese has been decreasing a bit so my current recommendation to you would be maybe step away from using that complete micronutrient package because it seems, if anything, it may be a bit high in copper and zinc, a bit low in iron and manganese in, compared mm-hmm. to what the grass is harvesting. And mm-hmm. if you want to apply micronutrients, which I think you could get away without them, but I would look at just applying something with just iron and manganese to try to supply those and let the grass just get copper and zinc and boron and molybdenum and nickel and all those other ones from from the soil and from the irrigation water and from the tiny bits in rain and, oh. and dust and all of that, because they're only <laughs> using a tiny amount. So, so I, at the end of the post, I showed another picture of the 12th hole. This was, uh, I always like that bunker on the front right on 12. Um, and then there's a tree between that and the green. Well, I mean, not directly, but just blocking the right side of the green and, uh, Mount Kaya, uh, how would you describe that? A pyramidical or a conical mountain? It's kind of shaped like Mount Fuji, like yes, a miniature Mount Fuji. It, yeah, they call it the small Mount Fuji. And that's it it rarely is snow capped like Mount Fuji, but it makes a beautiful backdrop on that hole. This mm-hmm. um this is one of my favorite pictures there. It shows some really healthy Noshiba and some really healthy Kori. That that hole is pretty now too, but that bunker is gone, isn't it? It's uh, no, it's still there. Just got got sized down a little bit. Is it in? Is it in the same location, or that one got shifted? Same location. We just we just uh, pulled it over to the left a little bit, or, or filled the right side of it. Okay. Behind that tree. Mm-hmm. So it just got a little bit smaller, but same location. Okay, I'm gonna come back and take that picture again on some sunny morning mm. and. Uh, Get, get that picture again. That, that's, that's a pretty one. And I closed, I closed with this, and I'll quote from the blog post again. Quote, The objective here is to make the best greens possible. It is not to save money. So this amount is quite reasonable for this facility, and no one is looking to cut the costs. You can see, however, that even in this $3,889 used at Kea Golf Club, one could cut the cost substantially if one wanted to. And that's, that is the post. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess the point of it was <laughs> is I, I work through those costs and then I say, you you're spending less than five thousand dollars to produce superb grains that host a couple of professional tournaments per year and that have members pay happily. Well, the members maybe pay a green fee a little bit less, but the oh. guests maybe pay a green fee a little bit more. I don't know if you're able to disclose the, like your peak season green fee. Uh, That's or, year round. So we don't change the, the fees. So um, just about, it'd be on the weekdays is about 190. Mm-hmm. And on the weekends is about two eighty. Okay, so US, and, U.S. dollars. And people are, um, you pretty much sell out all the tea times that you want to sell, for almost. Yeah, I mean, in the winter time, obviously there's not as much play, but um, yeah, spring, fall, we're 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 packed. Um, summertime, there might be a few weekends where it won't be a full tea sheet, but yeah, for the most part, uh, is. Yeah, we wouldn't. I, we wouldn't want any more than forty-five thousand rounds a year. I can tell you that. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's it's a busy busy property because you do a two T start, don't you? So you yeah, have every day two tea, two T starts. Yep. So people are teeing off from about seven thirty in the morning generally. Weekend seven o'clock. Uh, weekdays at eight o'clock. Oh, that's that's not too bad. But teeing off the first tee and the tenth tee. Yes. Cool. Um, so I, I guess I started that post off by saying, I'm surprised that people are saving 90. They're, they're just shocked at, the, the, at how much money they're able to save or they're, uh-huh. they're surprised. They're pleasantly surprised or whatever. And I'm like, how did you not already know that? So I wanted to put that on the record of just saying, okay, here's how easy it is. You can easily spend less than 5000 for example, I'll just give you an example from a tournament that I'm at this week. This place is spending less than a thousand. I'm sorry, less than five thousand, and they're not even really trying to minimize cost. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to minimize cost, you could actually could have done that at that golf course for less than a thousand. If if you look at what your N and K actually are, the P mm-hmm. wasn't needed for any reason. It was just happened to be in the particular slow release technology that uh, that particular product that you wanted to apply had a small amount of P in it. Right. <clears throat> that is correct. And, yeah. And then you're spending 2,600, which is, um, Oh, about two thirds of your cost was just on liquid kelp and micronutrients that you were spending just because why not? It's mm-hmm. not, it's not that you really need it, but as I've mentioned in that post many times, you're also not trying to, to minimize your cost either. So it's just right. like, these might be okay. Um, why don't we add those in? But mm-hmm. I think now we go on five years later and we're trying to be a little bit more precise about applying exactly what the grass is going to need. So when it comes to those micronutrients and kelp um, for this particular grass, um, maybe we'll tweak things a little bit. And mm-hmm. it might on it, not on purpose, but it might actually lead to lower costs. Right. <clears throat> right. So I want to, I'm again, I'm going to put a direct link to that post for anybody who wants to check it, check my math, um, see those 
rates and costs and so on. Of course, fertilizer prices change even if fertilizer costs triple from what they were in 2017. If they've tripled since 2017, then um, yeah, your nitrogen would have cost $300 <laughs> instead of 100. So it's it still tends to be, you know, I mean that's a that's a green fee and a lunch and that pays yeah. your that a green one green fee and one lunch and that pays your nitrogen fee nitrogen cost at annual nitrogen cost at triple the rate at triple the cost that we described in 2017. So I'm looking at that going it's it's quite possible to do this if you want to. You don't have to. But I'm also confused why I hear from people that contact me and they've heard about this or something like, but they don't know how to do it. And they, they might say like, I'm just getting my first superintendent job. My, my former boss, you know, I I used to be the assistant. Now I'm getting promoted. My former boss was using X, Y, and Z name brand products of these, all these jugs that are coming in. And let's say they're spending 30,000, $40,000, something like, you know, 10 times the cost of what you're spending. Uh-huh. And these guys that contact me, they'll they'll be aware that there's a different way to do it, but they haven't really been exposed to it like you and I were. Uh-huh. And they ask me if I've got a tutorial for it or something, and I'm like, Ugh, no, I don't. And it's funny, just a couple weeks ago, one of my colleagues in the turf industry sent me an email and asked me straight out if I've written anything about this or if I have a tutorial or something because he had talked to some turf grass managers uh-huh. and th- he said they seemed rel- they they just didn't quite know how to do this um which for for me for me it's hard to know how you don't know how to do it but then when I think about it I don't w- feel comfortable writing a tutorial about it because to be honest I haven't I haven't been a golf course superintendent for 20 years and I haven't I haven't done this for 20 years either. So I mm-hmm. thought, can we talk a little bit today about how you do it? What rates you use? What, like, how do you actually mix these up? Who do you buy this stuff from? Um, mm-hmm. Now I know you're, you're, you're buying it in Kyushu, but are you buying it from, like, let's say you want to use urea for okay. a, a nitrogen application to greens. Do you go buy that at the hardware store? Do you buy that from the Japan uh, Agriculture, the JA store? Yeah. Or do you buy it from the turf dealer? Who? Where do you get it? You can get it from a turf dealer. Um, but we normally just go 10 minutes down the road to the, the Japan Agriculture store, which is maybe the co-op or something. Mm-hmm. And we buy our bags of urea, ammonium sulfate, potassium sulfate, um, if you if you want to order some others, um, potassium nitrate or um, calcium nitrate or whatever, you can do that. But normally they have urea, ammonium sulfate, and potassium sulfate on in stock. So we just go fill up our truck and bring it back, and we have I don't know maybe three or four weeks worth of of fertilizer. So <clears throat> we do that, and then when it's time to spray, um, I've got like, when I calculate it out, I spray about 16,000 square meters of 
turf when I spray the greens. My greens are a little bit smaller, are a little bit smaller than that, but with overspray and all that, it, it, it works out to be 16,000 square meters. Okay. So that's almost four acres. Okay. Is, is that right? <clears throat> Do you, you probably, Maybe. you probably don't make the conversion so much. I, if I remember right, 4,046 or 4,047 square meters yeah. makes so, one acre. Yeah. And if I remember right, your greens are about 12,000 square meters, yeah. but you mix the spray up to spray an area of 16,000 yeah. square meters. Two, yeah. Two tanks works out to be 16,000 square meters. So we'll go spray down the nursery or hit some weak spots in the tees or fairways if we have some left over. Okay. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so say one tank uh, sprays 8,000 square meters. Okay. So, and, and your tank is, this is a, a Smithco or a Toro? What, what spray it's are you a Toro, using? Uh, 1750, I think. Toro, okay. yeah, multi-pro. Um, so we're spraying it equivalent to maybe, it's 80 cc's per square meter of water. Uh, 80, cc, uh, 80 cc's of water per square meter. That's so that's two, two gallons per thousand. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm glad you're on top of that. Um, so let's just use urea for an example because it's kind of easy. Oh, um, yes, yes, please. So I'll spray one gram of urea per thousand square feet. Whoa, now <laughs> that's not so easy for me. Anymore. No, 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 no. One, one gram of urea <laughs> per, th- per square meter. Sorry about that. Uh, you got me thinking. Okay, oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. You'll spray one gram of urea per square meter. Okay, yeah. keep going. Keep going. All right. And that, that comes out to be 0. 0.46 grams of nitrogen per square meter, right? It, yes, it does, because urea is 46% nitrogen. So you're at you're at 0. 0.46, which we could round up to 0. 0.5. Right. So basically, when I'm spraying nitrogen, I tend to just stick with a number between 0.4 grams and 0.6 grams of nitrogen per square meter. That's I have your application rate. Yeah, I have sprayed up to maybe about a gram without mm-hmm. having any burn. Anything over that, it can get a little bit hot. So okay. I would tend... Let me oh, do the conversion rate for our listeners who um, who wonder what, what that might be in pounds per thousand square feet. Okay. A, if... Andrew's saying that he's spraying half a gram of nitrogen per square meter. That is one-tenth of a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. So when he's saying he tries to be between 0.4 and 0.6 grams of nitrogen per square meter on a typical application, that's saying he's typically right around one-tenth of a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet on a typical application. And when he says he's gone all the way up to one gram of nitrogen per square meter in a single application, um, that means he's up to two tenths of a pound, two tenths Mm -hmm. of a pound of actual nitrogen per thousand square feet in a spray application being applied in 80 milliliters of spray solution per square meter, which conveniently works out to be two gallons of liquid spray per thousand square feet. Mm -hmm. 
all right, Andrew, back to the burn <laughs> issue and the, and the worry about that. And, or what do you say? A little bit hot. Yeah. I've just never gone over that because there is the, the possibility that it could burn the tips of the grass or something. I don't think you're ever going to kill the grass with anything around a, a, a gram of nitrogen, but, um, I just, uh, and I don't really think there's a need. If you're going to go that high, you, you're probably going to go out there and hit it with a granular or something. Um, to get a boost of nitrogen what, so yeah on greens at least because the problem is i'm more concerned about keeping a consistent uh growth and, yeah that's, and, that's, and that's why we do that you're right yeah and if you if you hit it with like more than two tenths of a pound of nitrogen of of fast release nitrogen uh in one application you really get you'll typically get more growth than you want so yeah. uh at least on putting greens yeah we, we rarely ever do that but just yeah for some just how i'm feeling that day i guess but um so yeah and some people might say no that's you could burn the grass doing that but i've done it for 15 years over that and i've never burnt the grass by doing that so i've I don't really think there's that much of a fear of doing that. So good. And you did that. You're doing that now on Zoysia. You did yep. that before on bank grass, bank grass, Bermuda grass. Uh, yeah. And did what you just described to us about that rate. So how much goes in, if I do the math, right, just in my head and you're telling me this is simple. You're you've said one tank, covers 8,000 square meters and you're doing one gram per meter. If I do the math right, that's eight kilograms of urea that goes in the tank. Exactly. Which is a little bit more than 16 pounds. Some mm -hmm. maybe, maybe 17 pounds mm -hmm. of urea or something like yeah. that. So yeah, basically I finished the grains with less than one bag of fertilizer. Because a bag in Japan is 20 kilograms. 20 kilograms, yeah. It's a... It's very reasonable. When I was in China, um, the fertilizer came in 50 kilogram bags. And when I was oh, in God. my early 20s, I used to think, oh, I'm just going to keep lifting these and tossing these 50 kilogram <laughs> bags around and be uh, be a big strong boy. Um, but I don't like, <laughs> I've tried, in, in Thailand, the fertilizer bags are 50 kilograms too. And I've tried to <laughs> move some of those now. It's not fun. So a, a 50 kilogram fertilizer bag is a hundred and uh, 110 pounds or something. It's uh, a 20, a 20 kilogram bag like they use in Japan is just right. So you, um, you mix that, you just dump that dry or, um, you know, the crystals into the tank or do you, stir it with a in a bucket do you have to use hot water or cold water or anything can you hear me i can hear you andrew can you hear me whoa we we might have lost andrew for a minute andrew if i'm you gonna want, leave and come back okay andrew i can hear you you're gonna leave and come back you do that so andrew's just left us for a moment he's having some technical difficulties but i see that he is coming back on to the show welcome we back welcome back andrew 
my mid afternoon alarm went off on my phone, so it kind of messed everything up. Oh man, that's uh, high tech problems. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I I didn't know what you were doing. It's it's pretty amazing we can do this just through your phone though, because I'm yes. here with a computer and a microphone and headphones and everything, and Andrew, you're just sitting there talking on the phone. Um, so that's that's awesome. Yep. Okay. Well, we were we were just talking. I I'd calculated. Well, I was talking about how at the at my current age, uh, at my middle aged uh, life right now, I prefer twenty kilogram fertilizer bags to mm. fifty kilogram fertilizer bags. Yeah. And I find the twenty kilogram bags quite manageable, and the fifty kilogram bags I find less manageable than I did when I was twenty three. And then I was 50 pound bags in the States, right? Yeah. It's 50 pound bags, which is about 22.3 or something, um, kilograms. So yeah, the Japanese bags are a little bit less than, than 50 pounds and they're, they're quite, quite easy to work with. So you'll use eight kilograms, less than half a bag in one tank. And you just measure out eight kilograms and dump that in or do you, and then dump water over it. Or do you like, um, Put there's, it in a bucket a, and stir. How do you do it? You can put it in a bucket or and stir, and then melt it and then throw it in there. Or there's the screen in your tank. I just I normally just dump it in the screen that's in the tank and then run water over that, and it just melts down into the tank. I wouldn't pour it directly into the tank without the screen. It, it needs to be melted before it goes down into the the tank. So <clears throat> yeah, either in a in a bucket off the side, melt it down or in that screen that's in the tank and pour water on top of that would be the way to go. And then, and then, so it's mixed up. If you want to add uh, potassium, you're putting out a zero, zero 50, which is potassium sulfate. Yep. And, and that's normally at a gram per square meter as well. So that's basically the same thing. Okay. So when you're, when you put that out, which is not in every application, you'll be putting that out a roughly, one-to-one nitrogen to potassium ratio and then you might skip a couple you'll make a couple sprays with just nitrogen and then you might toss potassium into another one right correct okay and does the potassium sulfate dissolve a little bit slower a lot slower a lot slower do you there's different types of probably granulars you can get it's what we get more of a powder type Mm -hmm. um potassium sulfate and there'll be some little leftover kind of stuff in there in the screen. And we'll just kind of take the screen out and kind of dump it off. Okay. In a, in a proper disposal type place. I'm sure you do. I'm sure yeah. you do. And that, um, that is just uh, like a little piece of gravel or something. Yeah. yeah. So you do it's it through perfect. the screen. And then you, do you ever have clogged nozzles out there? I've never had a clogged nozzle, no. But you gotta be, all right, so you got to be careful. Like, Don't get the water too much in your tank because if the water fills up too much and you're still trying to dissolve the fertilizer, then it, you're like, oh, uh, what do I do now? Because you can't keep pouring water on top of the mm-hmm. fertilizer to dissolve it. So it so, needs to be about halfway and then slowly dissolve it or slowly put water in there to dissolve it. Okay. Just be careful about that. I've had that situation happen a couple of times. Okay. And would you sometimes mix a growth regulator in there? Yep. 
Yeah. And would you sometimes put a, uh, do you use like blaze on or any of those type of dyes to uh, like a color, to yeah. color the spray up? When I started out, I used a lot of those dyes and stuff. Um, but yeah, if you spray the greens a hundred times, you kind of, you can almost do it blind, blind folded. So, um, but yeah, if, if I feel like it's going to be hard to see that day, then I'll, I'll put a dye in there. Okay. And so then you'll go, let's just forget about the growth regulator or, you know, wetting agent or whatever you may or may not be mixing in with these, maybe, maybe not wetting agent, um, or maybe, but let, let's just stick to the fertilizer. If you're, let's just say you're making an, uh, it happens to be a nitrogen and potassium application. Mm -hmm. Would you, uh, spray that and just put the flag back in the green and drive away? Or would you, would you run the heads to rinse that off the leaf? I've never run the heads to rinse it off the leaf. Okay. But if you, if you were going at, at double the rate or something, you, you might, but you wouldn't go at double the rate because you've just put out so much fast release that you're, you're think you're going to get a spike in growth that you wouldn't want. Yeah. I wouldn't spray enough to where I would have to worry about irrigating. Okay. I wouldn't spray at a high enough rate to where I'd have to worry about irrigating yet. Mm-hmm. That would just be one more step that I have to worry about, and I just wouldn't fool with it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. What else was I going to ask you? Uh, the process, where you buy, how much you put per tank, the application rate, the dissolving method, burn, when you think there'd be a risk of that. We've covered we all of that. It. Okay. We spray it before, uh, in the morning. After the green mowers have mowed the green. Mm -hmm. that yeah, that's probably a good thing. We assume that's that's what everybody does, but you never know. But yeah, after the green mowers are finished mowing, we go spray it. Well, actually, yeah, I there's something that I I will say from a scientific perspective. Um, if if you're fat, I'm not so fascinated by by foliar versus root uptake. Okay. And uh, Andrew, I know you and I have had this conversation before also about whether it's a, um, a foliar uptake or whether it's a root uptake of the nutrients that have been applied. And if you want to maximize the foliar, um, if you want to maximize the foliar uptake of the spray, what you would do ideally is maintain 100% humidity around the leaves where that, where that spray is on the leaves. You would maintain 100% humidity for as much time as possible. And so if you're going to do that to try to maximize the foliar uptake, which again is something that I'm not particularly concerned about. I'm just concerned about getting the product there. And I figure some of it is going to be foliar uptake. Some of it is going to be root uptake. But if you want to maximize the humidity of the leaf and fertilizer uh, layer the, of the fertilizer that's coated the leaf, that spray that's just gone down, the ideal time to spray would be right around sunset or just mm -hmm. after sunset, if you wanted to do that. Because mm -hmm. then, hopefully, it's going to stay 
100% humidity on the leaf all night. So now you've got roughly 10, 12 hours of 100% humidity, and now you would have maximized your foliar uptake. But as I said, I don't worry about it. I don't think it's worth worrying about. And I like, I like just spraying it um, after the mowing in the morning or after a roll in the morning or something that's taken the dew mm -hmm. off the leaves. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's what we do. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you really wanted to do what you said, it would be in the evening and I'm not going to do that. There's another unnecessary complication. Yeah. So there's, there's all kinds of things that we could do to make it more complicated. And I think it's useful to be aware of all of these things. It's nice to know if we wanted to maximize foliar uptake. But, and I've heard so many, so many people are confused and they think that the, uh, the foliar uptake is somehow through the stomata, which is where the, the gas exchange happens in, for photosynthesis, where the where the air comes in and the grass gets the carbon dioxide that's used for photosynthesis. But the stomata only cover a few percent of the leaf surface area, but there are, um, what are they called? Cuticular pores or micro cuticular pores or something all through the leaf. And that's really, and you just get dif diffusion through the wax layers on the leaf. Um, if you have a hundred percent, um, humidity, but once the fertilizer dries on the outside of the leaf, you don't uh, you don't really have foliar uptake. So at that point, eventually the fertilizer is still there, and at some point it gets oh. down to the soil and goes in through the roots. Yeah, if, if you're skeptical about it, put a piece of cardboard down, spray over it, and then in a couple of days you're going to see where it, it's green around it and it's not green there. Yeah, basically. and and if you want to make it complicated, you can go try the try the trick of spraying at sunset so you have um so you've got it at 100 percent humidity all night and you can check if there's a difference and you know that, that's what, i think it's useful to know these things but also like just do it in the easiest way possible to get the desired result and um and then go repeat that process that is getting a, a good result yeah so basically you're spraying it the same way you'd spray any other liquid uh, foliar product that you would get from uh, your turf salesman, basically. And yeah, so um, for me, I always like doing it this way, not so much because of the cost, but which was just like, it still costs money. So I still feel like I'm still spending money to take care of the turf. For me, it was all about the control of being able, if I wanted to easily do the rate at 0.44 instead of 0.46 grams of nitrogen, I could adjust my, adjust the amount that I weigh out and mm -hmm. that I'm mixing. And if I wanted to add in a little bit of manganese, or if I wanted to add in a little bit of this, it's so easy to, to have all of those ingredients right there in the fertilizer building and be able to add some ferrous sulfate or add some manganese sulfate or add some magnesium nitrate or whatever I wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love the control of being able to adjust the rates up and down, which now that I think about it, I guess you can do that with a liquid product that you're buying, but the liquid products have so many things that are, that 
I, I've never really wanted to apply or seen a need to apply that mm. I always preferred to make it myself. And I never thought that it was that difficult. So f that's going back to that blog post, going back to that blog post, which I can, I'll bring up uh, one more time here, Andrew, and let me, um, let me adjust the way I've got this on the screen. Um, there we go. So I'm going to go up to what I said at the start. At the start of that blog post, I said, I don't often write about this because I assume everyone knows it. <laughs> and I'm still, I, I guess by us having this conversation, we'll give a chance for some more people to know this and maybe ask questions because you and I are obviously not the only people that know this. This is, is kind of common knowledge in the turf industry for a lot of people, but I know there must be some people out there that, that aren't quite aware of this to the degree that, that we are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's something that I think should be common knowledge because with current fertilizer prices or if anybody that has some budget issues or, you know, if you want a new irrigation system or something and you want to save a little bit of money, um, this, this is an opportunity to save money, but I, again, I don't look at it that, I haven't typically looked at it that way. And it's, it surprises me when people are like, wow, what a revelation. I've saved 82% in fertilizer or something. And I just feel like, man, how, how did you not read this blog post before? How did your previous boss not tell you this? How did you never hear about this from your peers? How, uh, how did you not know? And I feel like every now and then, because, because I hear this from some people that did not know that, like apparently they did not know because otherwise they wouldn't be surprised at how much they could save. So well, I, I don't people, what other people pay for their fertilizer cost either. So I don't know. It's just <clears throat> maybe they think that's normal. Yeah, well, I don't know what they pay either, but it when they when they say that they were spending ninety two thousand dollars a year or something, and they've cut it down to twenty eight thousand, my response to that is two. I have two responses to that. Number one is like, what were you possibly spending that much money on? And number two, if you're spending twenty eight thousand dollars on putting green fertilizer, or no, I think in this case, let me see if I can bring that one up. I'm. Uh, I think I misspoke. I think it was like something like 90,000 down to 12, maybe. Let me look at that and 82% savings. Oh my, that page is missing. Ladies and gentlemen, I... I'm not finding it and I'm going to, that, that gives me a little bug and something to fix on my website. So that can be a continuation of this discussion. Sometimes I don't, I don't find that, but yeah, it's something, somehow they saved 82% and maybe it was like, uh, going from something close to a hundred thousand down to about 12 or 14,000 or something. And so my, the two things that I respond are number one, how could you possibly spend that much on fertilizer? Number two, 
you're if you think that you're you've saved a lot I look at 12,000 and say, well, if if you, if it's savings that you're after, you're still spending considerably more than, than you have mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. um, like if you want to minimize cost, do a soil test, interpret the results by MLSN, which is going to guarantee that you don't have a deficiency and it's going to recommend everything that you need and then supply the nitrogen rate through urea, which is the lowest cost source of nitrogen. This is if you want to minimize cost. Interpret your soil test properly, apply nitrogen uh, from urea, and and I don't think that adds up to twelve thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, if anybody has any questions about this, one place where you could ask is on the ATC Turf Discord, which. I can put a link to in the description there. Um, Andrew, you don't pop in there too often. I, I wish you would sometimes. Sorry. But, but you have been. I mean, you have in the past. Mm -hmm. And I know there's some other people that uh, check in there. So um, there's other people that know how to do this that can check in there. So if you have some questions, that would be one place. Or ask some the advice that I always give, ask somebody in your local area that does this because they know where you can buy this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Where in Japan, it's really easy. In Thailand, it's really easy. In China, it was really easy. In America, I know in the United States or in Europe, in Australia, these countries have huge agricultural and horticultural industries in anywhere in the world that grows food, um, sells all of these products. And they work really good on grass. So if you're interested in this, um, I'm probably not going to answer a whole bunch of emails about it because that's not, I'm just going to direct you to the ATC turf, turf discord or suggest you ask somebody locally. But uh, hopefully we've provided enough information here, Andrew, through your very good uh, description of how you actually implement this, that uh, somebody might be able to actually give it a go if, if they haven't tried already. I hope so. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today. You bet. It's been nice. Yes, it has been nice, and I hope you'll join me again sometime on the ATC Double Cut. Anytime. All right. Bye-bye, Andrew. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, everybody. That was another special episode of the ATC Double Cut where I talk about one of the old blog posts or a couple of the blog posts and things related to that. We had as a special guest, Andrew McDaniel, who shared with us how you can apply easily nitrogen from urea and how he goes about doing that at Kea Golf Club. Thanks so much for watching and listening today. And uh, there will be links to this post and, and the ATC Turf Discord in the show description. From Yantikau, I'm Michael Woods. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.